today's topic is Shakespeare's sonnets. The 154 sonnets written by Shakespeare were composed between 1592 and 1598. They are love poems. They describe aspects of love experienced by the poet, one for a young man and the other for a woman. So some of them are great poems while well, a few are poor, but it is as a sonnet sequence that they are particularly fascinating offering an extraordinary range of love poems. They encompass several distinct points of view on love, unified by a series of delightful observations on the power of poetry to record them. The sonnet comprises two groups of poems. The larger group, that is from 1 to 126, addressed to the young man and the other to the woman. In the first group, the poet manifests his love for the young man in a variety of ways. In sonnets 1 to 17, he speaks of his friend's beauty and insists that he must marry and have children in order to perpetuate that beauty beyond his eventual death. In the next group of poems, the poet describing his love in brilliant variations on traditional love poetry, often referring to the poetry that love stimulates. However, as the sequence progresses, the poet speaks of his disappointment that his friend has left him or at least does not love him in return. In 40 to 42, it appears that the friend has been stolen the poet's love. In 78 to 86, the poet feels that his place in his friend's affections has been taken by another superior poet. In 110 to 111, the poet worries that the friend resents his public display as an actor. Gradually, over the last several dozen poems of this group, the spirit of love returns apparently reflecting a reconciliation between the friends. Sonnet 126 closes the series with a return to the subject of the young man's beauty and mortality. Sonnet 127 to 154 addresses a woman of dark complexion and metaphorically dark morals often referred to as Shakespeare's dark lady, who has betrayed the poet's love by loving other men. She may be married, in which the love she has given the poet is a betrayal. The poet complains that not only has she been unfaithful to him, she has done so with his friend, thereby leaving him abandoned by both of his loves. These vituperative sonnets often rail against love in general. In these two sets of poems, a love triangle is embellingly portrayed. There is no actual evidence that the situation was not simply a literary creation, but most poems reveal an intensity that most readers find themselves assuming that the sonnets are autobiographical or at least based on personal experience, and that the young man, the dark lady, and the rival poet are representatives of real people. Despite the lack of evidence, a wide range of suppositions and Shakespeare about Shakespeare's life have been engendered by the sonnets. The identity of the young man intrigues those who read the sonnets as autobiographical. In the dedication to first edition in 1609, there appears the, the mysterious WH described as the only bigoter of the sonnets. This WH is identical with the young man. Two models most frequently suggested have been Henry Wrothesley, Earl of Southampton, and William Herbert, Earl of Pembroke. So each was a literary pattern connected with Shakespeare. 
Venus and Adonai and the, the Rape of Lucrece are dedicated to Southampton and the first folio to Pembroke. However, nothing can. It is not clear if bigoter in the dedication means inspirer or preserver. There have been many more nominees as procurer. Many proposals have been also made for the identity of the Dark Lady. The most frequently named Dark Ladies are Mary Fitton and Emilia Lanier. Within the scheme of the sonnets, the Dark Lady is the unifying factor in the loud triangle. She is the poet's evil genius. It is not the loss of the lady that he regrets for he knows her character all too well, but that his friend has yielded to her corruption. And yet he feels that his love for her is rare. It is the kind of love that looks forward to Cleopatra. So it is customary to speak of the I of the sonnets as Shakespeare. This misleading, uh, there is the possibility that these poems are dramatic. The I is as vividly conceived creature of Shakespeare's mind as Hamlet. The poet is projecting himself into an imagined situation rather than describing a personal experience. Whether they are autobiographical or not, the essential value of the poems remains the greatness of the sonnets lies in their intellectual and emotional power in Shakespeare's power to find exactly the right images to convey a particular idea or feeling and it is his gift in shaping the diction and rhythms, ordinary human speech into the expression of subtle and deep perceptions. So Shakespeare developed it to its fullest potential, the English or Shakespearean sonnet form. Almost all his sonnets are divided into three quadrants, each with alternately rhyming lines, followed by a rhyming couplet. This enabled Shakespeare to expose his ideas through the quadrants and then to draw the conclusion in the couplet. The ideas in the sonnets are the eternal problems of life, love, time, mortality, nature and poetry. So nature and day-to-day -day life are the resources of his images. The sense of mortality and destruction gives us such wonderful images as violet past prime, winter's ragged hand, summer's green all girded up in sheaves. So poetry, however, can give us immortality. The young man can live eternally in poetry. Not all the gilded monuments of princes can outlive the powerful rhyme. Shakespeare's picture himself as aging, unworthy, despair, despairing. The brilliantly conceived image of the sun in Sonnet 33 communicate the poet's loss of confidence in the youth as the clouds that stain the beauty of the sun. The compression of language, the vivid images drawn from nature, commerce, the theatre and many other aspects of life, the wordplay, the flexibility of the rhythms of speech, all contribute to the greatness of the sonnets. In these poems, as his plays, he is able to transform traditional forms and raise them to new heights by the power of his genius.